This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pop, and today is the first episode of our 8th edition coverage. From now on until the next edition, we are going to be talking all about 8th edition. I have a lot of good stuff planned. I have a lot of good guests lined up. Um, We're going to be talking about individual factions, and we're going to go back to our weekly weekly uh schedule so expect that so every saturday or sunday depending on when i can get up the episode expect to see episodes every week i'm pretty excited i know you guys are and before we jump into the main topic which is if so you want to play competitive 40k in eighth edition and uh, basically what that topic means is uh, i'm going to be talking about the meta and what, how I think the meta is going to go. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the games I've played already. Uh, and I interviewed Reese and Frankie. They gave me some of their time. And they're going to give me information on the meta, what they think they're going to see, and how they're going to prepare for it. And they even talk a little bit about their lists, uh, tournaments in 8th edition. It, they should be pretty interesting. Uh, so, before we get into that... I would like to thank the Iron Halo GT. The Iron Halo GT uh, is an official, unofficial sponsor of the podcast. Um, Jason Horn, he's a TO over there. He's a really good guy. I'll, I'll be going over to the Iron Halo GT. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, if you want to go to the Iron Halo GT and purchase your tickets, or if you're going to be in that area, I would suggest going to that link and clicking on it and buying your tickets as soon as possible because it should be a great event. Also, if you haven't got your SoCal Open tickets yet, uh, or your LVO tickets, I think, which I think are going up soon, um, I would get those now because those are probably going to fill up very quickly. Okay. Moving on to the main topic. This is going to be a little rambly. Um, I'm actually recording this at 6 a.m. in a hotel uh, on my laptop. I, I, I'm on vacation in Sacramento right now. Um, so bear with me guys, I do have a little bit of a, uh, template here, but this is going to be a little bit more of a rambly beginnings before we get to the interviews with Reese and Frankie. Um, and that's just because there's so much, there's so much going on in eighth edition. And I think I'd just like to talk to you guys about my games and what I've heard of, you know, cause I, I talk to a lot of professional, professional level players. You know, I talked to a lot of high level players, um, 
who already have their own opinions on 8th edition and have already played their own games and they already kind of know what's going on and it's really interesting because you, you start seeing a lot of the same lists pop up you know it, it, you know um someone says like oh well these these guys are really good this list is really strong and then you talk to Reese and Frankie who you know who were obviously playtesters and they see completely different metas and they're like oh yeah we we remember that list we worked on it immediately and then we kind of evolved beyond that so they the playtesters have the kind of their own meta and it's it's a lot different than the current standard competitive meta that I think you're going to see coming right out of the gate in 8th edition. Um, so basically, the, the current meta right now, from what I've heard through the grapevine from all the people who've only been playing the game for a couple weeks, um, is it's a very, very spammy meta. Um, you know, uh, seven Storm Raven lists is, is a list that pops up. Uh, six Tau Commanders in suits. Deep striking down with missile pods is really popular. Um, obviously, Torox spam. If you haven't heard, Toroxes are amazing. Tor Torox primes in the new Index Two Imperium Two Index. Uh, they are either there. There's two loadouts for them. You can either for under 100 points, you can take a Torox prime with the two hotshot volley guns and the Punisher gun. And a Stormbolter, because I like to throw in a Stormbolter, because why not? Because it's a rapid-fire 2 gun, so it gets 4 shots at 12-inch range. Um, but the reason why that's good is because the between the Punisher, the Hotshot Volley Gun, and the Stormbolter, you get potentially 30, or, um, yeah, 30 Strength 4 shots. And 8 of them are Rend 3. Um, and that's crazy for for under 100 points. That that is insane. And that's on a a tough seven double digit wound vehicle with a three up save. That that's that's ridiculous. Um, and on top of that, the Tempestus Scions, the command squads, you can take them in minimum squads of four or three. I think it's three, three or four. Uh, doesn't matter. You don't have to take the full five man squad. And then you can give them all special weapons. So you can essentially drop down plasma guns um, for for less than 20 points a model. Just drop them down and then blow things up perfectly, perfectly deep strike. And then you, if you take one Torox Prime for every squad that you're deep striking, um, you'll never have to worry about putting squads in and leaving them on the field. You can reserve all of them, and then you don't have to worry because your Toroxes are really good. Uh, and then the second Torox build, which which uh, Reese has assured me is the better build, is uh, to give them the twin missile launcher and two auto cannons, and basically just sit at 48 inch range and you kind of just blow things off the board at a long distance range, and you you have a horde of like eight or nine Toroxes, right? Or maybe probably six or seven at that points cost, because I think it's a little more expensive. It's a lot more expensive, not a lot more, 50% more expensive. Um, so you just basically keep that horde of Toroxes in the backfield and you just start blowing things up. Um, now I do like that list, I, or I do like that variant. I think the, I think the happy medium is somewhere with a mix of both of them. Um, but that should be one of the lists you guys should expect to see. Uh, as for the Storm Raven spam and the uh, Tau Commander spam, you'll definitely see Tau Commander spam because I think people will be cheeky enough to uh, convert Christ suits into Tau Commanders um, and kind of just make, you know, make that their list. Um, so you'll definitely see a lot of Tau Commanders. Um, 
I don't think people have a lot, I don't think people have seven storm ravens. That's not something that people have very much. So you're probably not going to see a lot of that yet. Um, and then I think the meta will evolve so that that list will never be extremely popular. Uh, and then of course there's the uh, night lists, which which are going to be easily the most popular list. Um, as we talked about in the interviews, you'll listen to a little later. Uh, night lists are going to become the new Eldar list, right? So in seventh edition, Eldar were common. Uh, they were popular, and they won a lot. Um, but because they were so common and popular, they everyone played to beat Eldar, right? So an Eldar player would have a good chance at winning their first, you know, four games in a six-round tournament. Um, and then they'd start getting to really good players who were expect to beat Eldar, and then they'd start losing. So, which is why you don't see a ton of Eldar winning events. You just see a lot of Eldar in the top tables. That's That's consistently what happens um and of course obviously good players who play eldar are going to win events right they're going to make the top eights um so you know knights are going to be the new eldar they're going to be really popular i think they're even going to be even more popular than eldar were in seventh edition because so many people have imperial knights and you really only need to run like three imperial slash renegade knights and uh maybe like chaff you know for bubble wrapping or a powerful character um I'm personally going to be running a three Imperial Knight list with Gilliman. It's going to be three Shooty Knights and Reboot Gilliman, or it's going to be two Shooty Knights, uh, Paladin and Gilliman, and maybe maybe a bunch of Scouts. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to go with yet. Um, not a bunch of Scouts. Maybe like one eight-man Scout squad. Um, I don't know what I'm going to go with that yet, but that seems to be the the cool new trend uh, also three renegade knights and magnus is really really strong um that's actually terrifying um so just keep an eye out for that guys uh the cool thing about that meta and i do brush on it a little bit later in the interviews but um the cool thing about that is that the nightlist meta isn't going to be as dominant as the eldar meta um for two reasons one uh, there there are certain missions, objective missions, that knights still don't do very well in. Um, they still pretty much lose to horde armies, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and they're they're expect you know they're they're one dimensional, right? Knights are you know you know what you're getting out of knights, right? You you're getting just a, a lot of shooting, um, titanic stomps. You can't lock it up. Um, so when you know what you're getting from such such a simple model like that. Even though it's super points-efficient costed, and it's very durable, very lethal, um, you know what you're getting out of the Knights. So if you plan accordingly, smart players, and there's a lot of smart players. There's more, I think there's more smart players than dumb players, um, which is not what the internet would have you believe. Uh, or the smart players, for that matter. The smart players all think that they're the, they're the best and the brightest, and only their friends are the best and the brightest. Um, but anyways, there's a lot of smart guys out there. Uh, so... I don't think I don't think you guys have to worry about the knights. Um, so just remember, bring your bring your knight killing uh, po points efficient knight killing. So don't like drop super expensive combi meltas, you know, into your opponent's backline like stu like Surengard combi meltas. Like don't do that. Um, maybe not even command squad with melt command squads with melt gun. That might not be the most efficient way. Um, just because drop pods are so expensive. So just kind of look at your codex. Um, Every codex has an answer to knights. Not every codex can handle knights efficiently. Um, so you have to find your codex's most efficient way of dealing with knights. And luckily, codexes like um, Necrons, 
uh, ne Necrons, Orcs, Tyranids, the the Xenos code, the Xenos factions. Um, they have their own efficient ways with dealing with knights, so you don't have to worry about dipping into al other allies. They actually, uh, at the exception of Necrons, Necrons might have the hardest time out of those three dealing with Imperial Knights, but I think Necrons have really good things coming for them with the, with Immortals. Uh, Monoliths are really strong. They obviously still have good close combat units like Lich Guard, um, and then and then they have powerful characters, and they're also super hard to kill. Like a a Necron warrior horde army doesn't have to worry about an imperial knight army like it just it could just swarm the board because knights just don't have enough shooting like they would have to shoot a warrior squad and then charge it to maybe wipe it out and then if it, they don't wipe it out then you know if you have like six lords with with a hundred warriors right that's just the list i don't know if that's the actual list but if, hypothetically if you have six necron lords with res orbs and like a hundred warriors the knight list is never going to table you. It, you could be in his face turn one, and he would never table you. Um, so you do have that. Uh, so I guess move on to horde armies. Uh, horde armies are going to be extremely popular. Uh, the best horde armies are going to be cultists. Which, so cultist spam, a cultist horde uh, with Abaddon to make the, most of them... All Basically all of them fearless if you can get them all within his bubble. Uh, so you have, you have, you know... 100, 120, 200 cultists that are fearless or something ridiculous like that. Uh, and then on the flip side, you have uh, conscript spam, which is another very popular one where basically you have 200 conscripts and commissars littered throughout all of those conscripts. And they just, every time they make a morale test, the conscripts just shoot one guy and they just hang out and they don't break, you know, even if they've lost 30 guys. Um, so that's going to be really powerful. Uh, that list, I think, is weaker than the cultist spam, just because conscripts aren't as good as cultists, and they don't have access to better characters. Though the conscript spam does have access to things like Gilliman, you know, the Imperial Soup, Celestine, um, Beat Stick Chapter Masters like Calgar. Uh, so, you know, you, you the, the Imperium one has options, too. I think... I think the happy medium in those horde armies, I think, is... Uh, and and Tyrion's actually really, really good at this, too. Uh, I have a buddy on Relentless D, Mike Snyder, who is currently brewing up a really good-looking Tyranid horde army. Um, and Tyranids... Tyranids, uh, Chaos, Cultists, and Conscripts spam lists, the, they all have access to really powerful characters that you can hide in those hordes. So... For example, with Imperiums, you could run like 180, 200 cultists, or uh, I'm sorry, not cultists, conscripts, and then you take Gilliman and you just put him in in the middle of them, right? And so he'll he'll never die. And you just put commissars and you know sprinkle some commissars in there, and you're essentially giving Revoke Gilliman like 200 wounds, right? Because because if you completely surround him, your opponent can't deal with that many conscripts, and you get to pick what models die. Right, you know, so your opponent can't like you can't have ten conscripts behind Gilliman and and ninety conscripts in front of him. And if your opponent drops in behind him, he only has to get through ten wounds. No, that's not true because if that ten conscript unit or those ten conscripts are part of a thirty-man unit, the, you actually have to get through thirty wounds before you can get to Gilliman. Right, and then if you add another unit in there, if you have two units of five that are part of 30-man units, you know, that's 60 wounds, etc., etc. Uh, so you're going to find out very quickly that Horde armies are really, really powerful in that they can protect their characters. Um, and snipers, snipers are good, 
Um, but you're not going to see like snipers take out, you know, Cal Marnius Calgar, right? Abaddon, uh, Broodlords. Like you're not going to see that happen. They'll they'll take out librarians. You know, they'll take out commissars, uh, chaplains, imperial psychers, li little tiny, little tiny characters. Maybe a, a space marine captain every now and then, though I doubt it. Uh, you know, unless you run snipers in any meaningful amount, um, which is, I think, why rattlings are really good, because I think rattlings are really cheap, though I don't think they're that cheap. Um, sniper drones are really good because they're cheap. The, the cheap snipers are the best ones. Space Marine Scouts are, are terrible. They're, they're just, they're too, way too expensive uh, for, for what you want them to do. Um, so just keep that in mind. If you want to run snipers to battle horde armies more power to you i think the better answer to horde armies is actually msu close combat armies which i think we'll just talk about right now uh, msu close combat armies are multiple small unit close combat armies so that's what msu is msu is multiple small units an example of that is uh 10 five-man gene stealer units in your army instead of you know, five, ten-man gene stealer units, right? So if you break them down, they're a lot more tactically flexible. They still have the same amount of firepower. And previously, when you wanted MSU was a lot more powerful when split when everyone didn't have split fire, uh, because if you had to kill a unit, you had to focus, you had to shoot all your shots at it. So you were essentially going to start wasting shots eventually, right? Because you had to match unit to unit to kill units. Uh, but that's not the case this time around. So Split Fire has made MSU a little weaker, though MSU in Eighth Edition is still strong for two reasons. One, you can go, you can split out in different parts of the board. Um, so there's still that that that's still powerful for MSU. And two, um, when you start losing models um, and you start having like one guy right in a unit, when you want to Split Fire, if your opponent is is uh, either they they're not lucky or they they don't understand how to kill like that one or two single models in that unit they might not allocate enough shots to that unit and then that might make their points or their fire efficiency and their shooting phase weaker um, so you have to be aware of the capability of both your army and your opponent's army defensively and offensively to make full use of that split fire which is why i think this edition is going to have the best you're going to see who the best players are period right they they i'm already starting to see it um, but there's so many, there's so much agency that GW is giving the player now in this edition. Uh, it's a lot simpler, but the player has a lot more control over what's going on now. Um, there's not random things like morale, deep strike mishaps, templates. Like it's just the players know what all the tool, all their tools are. Um, there's very little variance in randomness, and that leaves that leaves it open for good players to shine. Um, and by shine, I mean break the edition. If, but I, I like to see it as like that. You know, they're figuring it out. They're figuring things out. Some people might see it as uh, leaving it more open to break the game, which I think is untrue, uh, because everyone, every faction has not almost every faction has a really good game breaking list or or mechanic. Um, so, anyways, MSU assault armies. Uh, I think those can be horde armies really well. A perfect MSU assault army that comes to my mind is a ton of corn berserkers. Um, basically, uh, you can either run them in rhinos, or you can. Uh, I think I think they when the forge world comes out, you'd be able to run them in drop pods, or they may they might already have the the crib just drop pods. Anyways, yeah, you, you basically run corn berserkers 
in uh, in rhinos, or you run them up the board, and then uh, like like with the other horde armies, you put powerful characters near them, um, things like Karn, Abaddon, uh, and then corn berserkers are are terrifying. They're they're so good. You give them power axes, uh, a couple power axes, uh, maybe a chain, uh, maybe a power fist, um, but I think the power axe is the way to go uh, to make them really cheap. And then you just run them at the board, and when they charge, they can attack twice, immediately. Pow, pow. So, one squad, I remember, and they also get an insane amount of attacks, too, uh, with their chain swords, and uh, with with uh, a, a model like Karn, or or some other generic world leader's captain that gives them a bonus to their rerolls to hit, uh, they, they become insane. Uh, I remember I was playing my buddy James at... And he had a unit of corn berserkers charge Gilliman, and just it almost they brought Gilliman down to one wound, which is which is crazy. Gilliman was at full health. He was released and free from fighting a Heldrake. He's like, okay, we're we're gonna get back in this. The corn berserkers crashed into him and killed him. And it was like, okay, that that was that was fun. <laughs> uh, oh, they didn't kill him. They brought him down to one wound, and then he and then he uh, proceeded to to lay waste to the rest of them before dying to you know, more corn berserkers. So, so, uh, basically you, you, you're going to see a lot of, uh, MSU assault armies. Tyrians are also really good at it. Orcs are going to be very good at it. Um, I think maybe assault Marine, like the, with strike and, and assault Marines dropping down, I think that would be, there's something said for that, but I think, uh, space wolves and blood angels would be able to do that better. Uh, especially, especially blood angels who have, they they will be uh, more of an alpha strikey MSU assault army. Uh, they will be in your face with a lot of jump pack units very quickly, uh, and there will be powerful characters in there. So just kind of bear that in mind too. So when you're building your list, uh, and and my personal philosophy, and I think Reese and Frankie are also on board on this, is to build a well-rounded list that's that's uh, designed to be, come by all of these lists. Uh, which is why I think the Night Lists aren't going to win as much as Eldar Lists were. Um, because they, if you bring three or four Knights, you won't have enough room to deal with Bubble Wrap, right? You won't have enough to room to bring things like Toroxes who deal with Hordes or something, right? So so if you bring a well-balanced list, you know, you bring a couple units that can deal with, they're really good at dealing with Hordes. Uh, you bring a couple units for Bubble Wrapping to prevent Alpha Strikes and MSU Assault Armies. Um... And then from there, you can decide what you want to do with your list. Uh, just running a well-balanced list, I think, is the way to go. Um, if you, Especially if you want to win all your games, or if you want to do really, really well. Uh, so, next is uh, Shooty Armies. We'll just go ahead and talk about those. Um, shooty, shooting spam is going to be a problem. Um, it'll, they'll be... every Currently, I think every single army has access to an extremely good shooting list. Uh, even orcs. Um, basically, what shooting spam is is you just you you spam your most cost-efficient shooting list, shooting units, um, and then you just shoot your opponent off the board, right? So uh, it, with Space Marines, with Ultramarines specifically, you just have Gilliman who can reroll. He has a reroll to hit into wound bubble of six inches to all Ultramarines units. Um, so you just surround him with with predators with four las cannons, you know. Uh, Devast missile launcher devastators, uh, anything, anything, anything that you want to in the in the space marine codex that you want to use to kill people. 
Um, so he makes, obviously he makes everything in his uh, codex a lot more powerful. Um, and then of course you have the Tau Commanders, uh, which are going to be really popular. Harlequins are going to be a good shooting army, shooting spam army with, you know, their vehicles are crazy. Their troops are really good. Uh, you'll also see it come out of uh, Sisters of Battle, although you're not going to see a lot of Sisters players. Um, but that that's actually a, a combination of two list archetypes, which I'll talk about. Um, but basically, uh, you know, Tau, Tau really, Eldar have some good shooting spam lists. Uh, let me see. I don't... Uh, guard, guard are really good, but guard also have uh, a combination. They have, they actually have multiple lists, and then when Forge World comes out, it's going to get even worse, right? Because then you know you'll, the, you'll get uh, there'll be other things that are that are more broken. I, I don't know what's going to be in Forge World. I haven't looked at the book or anything. I'm not privy to knowledge that you guys aren't. I, I am in the dark as much as you guys are. Uh, but I imagine when Forge World comes out, there's going to be even more powerful things that can people add to their army. Um, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of like quad mortars, space marine quad mortars, how good they were last edition. You know, so there might be like the the that equivalent, like maybe the rapier laser destroyer is really good. I don't know, um, but I I I I am fairly confident that Forge World is going to introduce some more really good shooting units in the chaos or the Imperium indexes that people are going to add to their shooting armies. Um, so, Oh, uh, military Tempestus armies are going to be really good. There's, that's like a shooting spam slash alpha strike list. Uh, and then finally, uh, we'll talk about vehicle rush and alpha strikes. Um, alpha strike lists are going to be very simple. They're, they're going to drop down in your face, uh, put a lot of pressure on you turn one and um, they're going to be less, there's going to be some lists that centralize around Alpha Strikes, um, but for the most part, Alpha Strikes are going to be more of an element in a lot of lists. Uh, so the the common Alpha Strike is going to be your opponent is going to deep strike down stuff that they held in reserve. Either turn it could be turn two, one, two, or three. Your opponent picks, um, so they could just wait until turn three for the perfect opportunity, and then they just kill everything right they just come down with all their most powerful units uh tyranids will will have the swarm lord come down a trigon prime come down they'll he'll attempt to charge you with both and then on top of that behind that swarm lord and trigon prime you have gene stealers coming running up the board really quickly um so it, it's just it's terrifying alpha strike lists will be designed to throw you off your game um they'll they'll be designed to hold up your shooting armies until the really crazy horde assault armies get in your face uh so so Bear in mind, you're going to see a lot of alpha strike lists. It's it's going to happen. People, it's a it's a common archetype that people love to, uh, playing and love uh, running. And if you want to know a little bit more about alpha strikes in general, you can actually go to my first episode on chapter tactics. Uh, it's in the chapter tactics article archive in the show notes on frontlinegaming.org on the blog post. Uh, and you can just listen to Frankie and I talk about what alpha strikes are and how to deal with them. Uh, I, I listened to the episode. There's still a lot of really good relevant information in there. Uh, we tried to keep it relevant for for multiple editions, not just or and multiple game systems, not just 40k. Uh, and then finally, the last list of archetype, archetype, which is actually I think the uh, hidden dark horse that not a lot of people are zoning in on yet. Uh, but that's like vehicle rush or ve vehicle. Uh, vehicle rush list, I think I, I, the, I would like to, the way I would describe them. Uh, what a vehicle rush list is basically you stick a lot of uh, units in really efficient transports, and then you just run them up at your opponent. 
right? And so the idea is, is that you have so many points-efficient vehicles because vehicles are a lot more powerful now in this new edition. The, they, they're basically as good or better than most of the monstrous creatures last edition. Um, you know, they're all really durable. Uh, they're all really points-efficient, like I said. They're not all very killy, um, but the transports that are points-efficient and durable are really good at keeping units alive, right? Uh, so if you have, like, corn Berserkers and Rhinos, or if you had uh, Tyrannocyte, I guess Tyrannocytes don't really count, but uh, but if you had, like, Gaunts and Tyrannocytes, which is kind of like a quote-unquote vehicle, vehicle um, or, or if you have uh, Space Marines and Storm Ravens, um, or you can run uh, Warriors and, and Raiders and Venoms, or specifically Warriors and Raiders, or Harlequin Troops in Star Weavers, their vehicles, I think they're Star Weavers, um, or Guard in Chimeras, and with the Chimeras have multiple Heavy Flamers. Uh, all of those lists are, those are just lists, some examples, uh, obviously Sisters of Battle in, in Twin Heavy Flamer Immolators, right? Uh, Space Marines and Rhinos. I think I already said that. Uh, Tempestus Primes or transports. If you really, if you really just want to run things other than <clears throat> uh, dropping drop or maybe dropping down your Scions isn't the best idea, and you just want to run up with Torox Primes, or that's what you want to do. That's that's doable. Uh, there's basically there is a lot of uh, orcs, orc trucks. Um, with some storm boys to hold you up in the beginning. Uh, there, there's just, there's a lot of really good vehicle rush lists that I think eventually people are going to gravitate to and use. Uh, so I, the way you deal with those is, is kind of like how you deal with Imperial Knights, but y you have to, you have to uh, have a bubble wrap. You have to focus on, on the ones closest to you. Uh, and then when you pop a vehicle, you also have to kill the squad sign. Um, and then here's the the most important thing to know about those vehicle rush lists is when with the disembark, the new disembark rules, they become a lot more powerful because a unit can disembark three inches away. So they have to be within three inches of the vehicle and then they get the normal move, which for most units will be a nine inch move from the vehicle. Um, plus they get to charge and shoot normally. So, and they also get to advance if they really need to. So if they have a mechanic that lets them charge or advance and charge, uh, you're looking at a much higher threat range, right? And then vehicles can advance as well. So turn one, uh, most of those vehicles will move up the board, advance. Uh, rhinos will pop smoke. Um, and then just, you know, stay there, right? So the, they'll go up in general, you know, 14, 16 inches up the board at you, sometimes more. Uh, maybe if they roll poorly on their advance roll, sometimes less. But for the most part, they're, they're going to get up the board, in the, up to the middle of the board, um, and then they have choices at that point. Could Do they want to get another 9 inches up with their troops and attempt to long-range charge you, depending on how you deployed? Or do they want another turn of advancing and, and movement? And the good thing about uh, vehicles now in this edition is that it's almost impossible for an, any army to kill, like, six rhinos, right, coming down at you. There's, there's no army that can do it in two shooting phases, um, I think. Plus the dudes inside, right? So before, if you did that in um, 7th edition, there was a very good odds that you, you would lose all your rhinos turn 1. Those are extremely good odds, right? They just pop, 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 they're all dead. And then the marines, like, for battle company comes in mind. Um, but it's a lot harder now. So you're, you're, that's, a, that's something that people are going to take advantage of. Another vehicle rush list that um, 
that I think Reese might be running similarly. If, I think if I think he talks about the interview, uh, which is like uh, Lemon Russ, Chimera Rush, Spam. Um, I think he has like a Basilisk or a Manticore in there too. Uh, but basically, what he does is he he fits as many heavy flamers into all of his vehicles as he can, and then moves them all on the board at you. And so by the time you know. Because lemon rests are even harder, lemon rests are even harder to kill than than all the normal vehicles. They're they're a lot tougher, and because uh, they consolidated them all into one data slate, they all have the same toughness. You know, instead of one being like fourteen, eleven, ten, which I think was the weakest one, they all have the same toughness and the same amount of wounds. So they're all equally durable now, and they're all ex- really really durable. I think they're all T eight with a three up save, which is really good. Uh, he runs all of those at you and, and maybe has Pask in there too. And uh, with, with uh, veterans and chimeras with more special weapons. And then just kind of says here, deal with all this. Anything you don't kill has multiple heavy flamers and will start obliterating your squads. Uh, so vehicle rush is going to be really good. Um, I don't know where, where you guys stand in the meta right now but um those are going to be it if you guys want to answer the question today which you th- which list archetype you think is going to be the best um which one you're going to be running i'm really interested i'm i'm really interested to hear what people are, are brewing and coming up with um so get those practice games in guys the release is next weekend it's crazy i'm super excited and then that's pretty much it uh for those of you who've been asking a lot um i will ask some i will answer some frequently asked questions uh most likely you will see some sort of FAQ coming up soon, whether from the ITC or GW. Uh, th- there's going to be something that answers your questions. Things like Celestine. And we're, there's, I'm not saying that there's going to be like an overhaul to the system or anything, but like things like Celestine not having the unique rule, like things, little tiny oversights like that, that the stacking thing, I, I'm pretty sure that's going to get resolved fairly soon uh, in one way or another. So, so just, you know, hang on to your hats. Um, try not to worry about that too much. Uh, tournaments will, should be played at 2000 points. That should become the new norm. Cause you can play a 2000 point game in two hours or less easily. Uh, especially, especially once you get the hang of the edition and get the hang of the units, you can start moving a lot faster. Things get a lot quicker. Um, I do think the meta is more diverse. Uh, I, I don't know how many lists archetypes I named, but I'm sure I missed a couple already that, that pro players are like, well, this list is really powerful. This list beats all of them. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure I missed a few. Um, so I think this meta is also setting up to be really diverse. Unfortunately, because of both the nature of a new edition and because uh, it's already what people, competitive players, gravitate to, you're going to see a lot of spam. Uh, and what spam is, if you don't know, the if you're barely getting into this podcast and this is your first podcast uh competitive 40k podcast spam lists are basically lists that tend to use opt or they tend to to bring a lot of redundancy in one unit so like they'll run 12 torox primes or 12 space marine rhinos or, or whatever 12 of one single unit for redundancy because that unit is really powerful both points of it's it's very points efficient it's very killy it's just a very good unit so you want to bring it as many times as possible uh to to do well basically that's what a spam list is 
right? So you're going to see a lot of those um, because they're very easy to make. Um, is very look at, at a unit like Torx Primes and go like, oh, this unit is really powerful. Uh, I'm going to bring as many of it as I can. Um, you know, so you're going to see a lot of those, unfortunately. I don't think they're going to stay around for very long as more people are going to think of more lists uh, i'm really excited to see what players win with certain lists um, because as players win with lists that's going to dictate where the meta is going to go right so if a player wins the bay area open with like a, a shooty spam list or if they win with a really weird different offbeat list that you don't see a lot that'll dictate where the how people build the rest of their lists right so that's kind of cool so that's something i'm really excited to and of course if you want to stay in tune with all the tournament coverage, uh, listen to Chapter Tactics. I will. I do also cover tournaments weekly as well. Um, so go ahead and just uh, tune into Chapter Tactics. Next week there is uh, a a GT in Boise, the Boise Cup GT, and to my knowledge, that will be one of the first tournaments that run Eighth Edition. So the following podcast, so not next week's podcast. But the week after, there I will talk about the first eighth edition 40k, you know, GT officially. So so we'll talk about that, and then I have a, a lot of friends who are going. So you know, I'll, I'll definitely grill them, figure out you know what the meta is, what people thought of the new edition, and that's it. All right, guys. So I'm gonna go ahead and turn on the interviews now. First, we have Reese, and we'll just hopefully you guys enjoy. Yo, get off the computer. I need to check eBay. I got an auction ending soon. Wait, what are you doing on the computer? I'm just buying some minis online. Are you saving money? Nah, dude, saving clicks. Time is money, right? Hey, what the heck was that for? Dude, you gotta buy from Frontline Gaming. They offer savings on minis every single day. Whoa, that's better than saving clicks. With all that savings, I can take a few days off of work so I can paint these minis. Ow! You gotta stop that. It hurts. You know what hurts? Spending three weeks base coning models. Save yourself some pain and get them painted by Frontline Gaming's painting studio. You know what? You've got all the answers. That's why I'm glad you're my best friend. I don't know what I'd do without you. I could never hurt you. What are you looking up on eBay? I'm uh, selling a bunch of old models. Don't really use them anymore. Why aren't you going through Frontline Gaming's secondhand store? You can get money or store credit. I think you broke my nose. I don't like your tone, mister. So I'm just going to say this. Head over to FrontlineGaming.org for more details. Okay, everyone, we're back. Here I am with Reese for my first interview. Uh, So I decided to get these guys and, you know, ask them questions and see what they had to say. We're all very busy, but Reese and Frankie were kind enough to give me some of their time. Now, Reese, the title of the episode is, So You Want to Play Competitive 40K in 8th Edition. Mm. So my first question for you is, is what armies are you going to be playing in 8th Edition and why? What is the current net list? Oh, shit, there aren't any. (gasps) Damn it! Um, (laughs) Well, the cool thing about 8th Edition is that uh, you really can kind of go with your heart's desire. There are some lists. There'll be some, like, really spammy lists that are going to pop out right away that people are going to kind of oh no or like i've already seen um like spites man like people like this is insane i'm like no it's it's not don't sweat it it's good it's not it's not overpowering um the armies i'm gonna play uh are the armies that 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 i love 
I'm going to be focused primarily on Astra Militarum Orcs and Tyranids. Okay. And I'm playing them because I like, I'm strictly playing them because I love the background and I love the models. Yeah, and you actually did really well with both your Orcs and your Astra Militarum so far. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. We'll see how well you do with your Tyranids tonight. Uh, I know you guys back at home have already seen the results of that show, um, but we're recording this before the Tyranids versus Ultramarines are coming out. So how did you feel about your Orcs and your Astra Militarum list? And just as a quick aside, if uh, just tell Pablo it's okay. Pat him on the back, because by the time you hear this, I will have already kicked his ass. I'll be on <laughs> vacation hundreds of miles away lamenting my loss. No, it's, we, we don't know how it's going to go. Pablo's list looks really good. Uh, I'm sorry, repeat the question, please. So, so how, how, how did, exp did expectations exceed, uh, did, did, you, did the list exceed expectations? Oh, right, right. Um, yeah. Well, that was literally the first time I played a full can wall. Um, for the and, orc list. Yeah, for the orcs. So I played them against Dark Eldar and against Chaos, both of which are really strong armies. So I didn't know how I would do. Frankie took a, he took a less powerful Dark Eldar army. He took Venoms with the Blasterborn, which is really, really good. But he had a bunch of poison weapons against an army that is vehicles. Yes. So he's winning me on sixes. It was still a close game, but um, that many vehicles can be pretty overpowering. If he would have had his Raider list with Ravagers, I think it would have, he very well could have just beat my ass. Okay. Because he has mobility and D6 damage shots that are AP uh, 4. Yikes. Yeah, so I wouldn't have gotten a save except my Kef save. Um, as it was, it was a bloody game, but I did. I, I kind of overpowered him. Mm -hmm. And in the Chaos uh, game, same thing. He, I just rolled so hot in the first two turns, it was like he didn't really have a chance. Like one unit of Killicans killed two Heldrakes, a Demon Prince, a unit of Corn Berserkers, and almost killed Abaddon. Oh my god. Three Killicans. <laughs> that was how my dice were going. So... That's not exactly normal, but but vehicle spam armies are going to be uh, hard to deal with. We, we've known that in playtesting. Mm -hmm. So the can army really did extremely well in test in, in playtesting. I'd been mixing them up with boys and uh, grots and stuff like that. And I actually think that's the better army because then you have more bodies. Uh, taking objectives is number of models on it. So the mixture of, of the really durable cans and, and dreads combined with boys, I think would be actually the better army for a strictly competitive play. Okay. Oh, and the Gorkonaut is a freaking monster. Well, he's really, he's like a mini knight and he's really points efficient. He hits harder than a knight in melee though. Yeah, he, I think he has uh, 18, 18 attacks. attacks. Yeah, that's a lot of attacks. Or six D6 damage AP4 attacks. So if he fights another knight, he goes in with the more powerful attacks. Right. Uh, but when he fights, he can wade into a big unit and just whoosh, just smash him with his claw. I mean, he's cheaper too. He's significantly cheaper, but he has 25% uh, less wounds as well. Okay. Yeah. So do you think you're going to be using that orc list in the future? In tournaments? I, I'm going to mix it up. Like for me, variety is the spice of life. Like I love, I love especially making lists that people don't think will be good. Mm -hmm. That's like my joy in 40K mm -hmm. is playing the, the underdog. And those armies have always been underdogs, and uh, and now they're not. <laughs> so I might have to jump onto a different bandwagon and play like Eldar or something, uh, <laughs> because Craftworld Eldar, in my opinion, is one of the weaker armies. They, they unfortunately, I'm seeing it now. Yeah. Um, although the the your special flavor of Craftworld Eldar isn't actually weak. No. What's actually weak is like what everyone else is running, like jet bikes, bikes and stuff, warp yeah. spiders. Yeah. Um, yeah, the yeah. Fudar with specifically with Dire Avengers and Azurman is actually really good. Yes, and that's and I know people out there are like, oh, what a coincidence! Like, like just please remember, like the playtest team does not write the rules; we just provide feedback. So it just so happened 
that that was the case and i was like oh well, well that's convenient and, and it's not even like it's not even like they're that strong no. it's it, you've played against them yeah yeah they're, it's they're like not, they, they hang in there no no they're <laughs> not over the top like if, if you were going to play test for advantage you you would do it and it'd be like yeah. super anyways um, it's okay we can we can we can i can't delve into it but like, right. like the play test teams number one goal, i've said this over and over like the whole GW, all of us, our goal is to make every unit good if we could. Right, and I think you guys did a good job of that. I think, obviously, it's not perfect, but I think it's better than it's ever been. Right. That's fair. I mean, we're talking about playing like mandrakes and shit and killican. I'm like killicans like went on a rampage. When, when have you ever heard those words in that order? <laughs> uh, which actually, that's a good segue into our next question. What are some common medalists do you think people will see? I think right out the gates based on our experience with playtest because the playtest group is like chuckling to themselves like oh look everyone's tripping out about the stuff that we tripped out about it at first uh you're gonna <laughs> see people trying to spy, spam smite and they're gonna find out it's not as good as they think it is yes because um, there's so many ways to counter it because smite a big part of it is like you don't get to pick who you shoot so yeah. you present to your opponent the things that you're willing to lose like screen units you're like yeah go ahead and smite them yeah now i'm gonna kill you um you're gonna see vehicle spam especially knights that, the knight army is actually a problem, um, in my opinion. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of knights. I, I, I was talking to James about this last night, and knights, we feel, are like the new Eldar. Right? Yes. You're going to see they're, they're very easy to buy, yeah, very you, easy to play. They're forgiving. You don't have to be a very good and player. they're very good. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you'll, they'll win a whole lot of tournaments. I think they'll just be dominating the top, mid-top of all the tables. We'll see. I mean, like, what, in my opinion, I think we're going to see, like, three. Like, when, the, when people kind of catch on, it'll be, mm -hmm. like, three renegade knights with double battle cannons. And Magnus, and then like a couple like like cultists or something. Yeah. And like that army is going to be mega good. Yes. Um, and it's it's really hard to kill that many knights. Uh, people are going to really struggle with that. Uh, mech, any army that has transports that do damage is going to be really good. Mech IG is going to be really good. Uh, Harlequins are great. Like Dark Eldar and Harlequins are really good because their transports are amazing and Tempestus. the units. To, oh well, the the, the Torox Prime. Everyone knows already keyed in on it. It's it's too cheap. Yeah, the, like, the, the that Torox Prime is is really for, yeah. for those of you who don't know. Um, it, a Torox Prime, by my calculations, is less than a hundred points for thirty strength four shots at twenty four inch range, and that's not even the best variant. I don't even think everyone is everyone's keying in on that, and like it is good. I'm not going to try and downplay it. Like that many shots is really good. Right. But for in in our in like first of all, oops, sorry, Torox Prime is too cheap. Yep. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> that one slipped through the cracks. That's, but GW will get you guys next. GW's got just you. just remember, guys. And then for anybody who's out there trying to buy like a hundred uh, Tempestus Science command squads because they're so good, just bear in mind that GW has already told you that the indexes are just uh, temporary. Yeah. So and, yeah, and the, and they've already set it up in a way so that it'd be easy for them to just update yeah. points. So know? if you're gonna try and like completely exploit uh, a points imbalance, which that's tournament play. I don't, I don't say that with a negative connotation. Right. I'm just, just be mindful of the fact that that may not last forever yeah. or even for a very long time. Yeah. Um, Scions are incredible. The, Tim, the, the Torox uh, Prime is, is under-costed, which makes it a great value. And for me, the combo that I was taking was two auto cannons in the missile launcher. It's about 150 points. You take six, put them in the back, put them like Yarrick near them to reroll ones. And you will shoot people right off the table, which is another point. You have, have, have to have line of sight blocking terrain. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need the Gatling gun version, although it is good, but I'm not trying to say it's not. Because your Scions deep strike and they do the short range killing. 
In my experience, that was that yeah, was they the just way come it down went. Overcharged yeah. plasma guns yeah. and just yeah. they're cheap. Do you have the Tempester Prime to give them the reroll ones order? Um, the hotshot volley guns are insanely good. Yeah, um, you can actually make those rapid fire too. Yes, with the Tempestus Prime, which is yeah. crazy. So they're shooting yeah. four shots. No, they're all, the hotshot volley guns are already like they're like heavy oh. four or something. No, the the oh the, the hotshot volley. No, guns. everyone is gonna everyone's keying in on plasma. I get it. The hotshot volley gun, I think, is it might even be better. Do you mean the hotshot las gun? No, volley gun. It's the, the, the heavy, heavy one. weapon. It's okay. the, the unit gets sixteen AP two shots that are like strength four or five. Yes, yeah, strength four. It's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, like so. everyone's like plasma, plasma, plasma. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. And if you take that, you won't go wrong. But the hotshot volley guns can't kill the guy shooting it. And uh, once they're down, especially, and they're hitting on threes again, it's savage. It's wow. absolutely savage. Like, in, in we found that the volley gun is might even be the better option over plasma. Okay. Because you can you can drop down at a longer range too, and you don't have to expose yourself to getting multi assaulted and killed. So, but again, uh, I wouldn't. Be mindful of the fact that the game is going to evolve rapidly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, anything, any, but anyway, back to our original point, Sisters of Battle, any army that has transport vehicles that are relatively cheap that do damage, those armies are going to be really good right out the gates because you have to be able to deal with a lot of vehicles and you have to be able to deal with infantry. And that's hard to do both. Yeah, it, it is. It is actually really hard to do both. Um, and then you, if your vehicles can take heavy flamers, Heavy um, flamers are exponentially oh my God, the damage because crazy. And it's so funny because people are arguing that they're overpriced, and I'm like, that is spoken by people who haven't played yet. Like the first time you play against an army that has like 10 to 20 heavy flamers that are moving on, they're on vehicles that now move like 10 to 15 inches, and you're just getting rocked by them. Like people are going to realize really quickly that the heavy flamers, I, I would say it's top, maybe even top three best weapons in the game. Yeah, it, yeah, it's really strong. I've played a few games already with Heavy Flamers, and every time I've used them, they were MVPs. Yep. Um, they deter Overwatch. Yep. They kill flyers. Yep. They kill vehicles. They, they kill, kill monsters. Infantry. They kill characters. Yeah, they, they're just really good. They're, they're, I, I know, like Some of the reasons why, why are they so good. Okay, they don't roll to hit. You've already eliminated 50% of your damage output reduction in most cases. Yes. Um, they, do not, they ignore the degrading profile. Most vehicles, ballistic skill gets worse as they get hurt. Who gives a shit? I auto-hit. So yep. now all those other guns that look so much better on paper, as soon as your vehicle, your vehicle is maximum damage output to the last wound. Um, uh, Overwatch, like you said, maximum effect. I, don't, I think that they should only do D3 auto hits in Overwatch personally. Because yeah. um, then you try and charge it and you, I've killed whole units. Uh, oh, you have a flyer and normally you'd be minus one to hit? No, I don't care. I auto hit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, modifiers and debuffs too. They, they, they just don't ignore worry it. About they just ignore, oh, you have a Venom hit. Throat, oh, you're a Ghost Kill, and you're minus two to hit. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Yes. Yeah, Heavy Flamers are, I, I laugh when I'm seeing people like, they're overpriced. I'm like, you clearly haven't played yet, or you haven't played enough. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. And then one last point, um, your meta will determine, as Reese touched, touched this on a little bit, um, your meta, depending on how much line of sight blocking train you have in your tournament um, or in your event, that will also determine your meta because I've found I've, I've through the grapevine I've heard that people who are running Tau Commander spam lists yep. with like six seven Tau Commanders and yep. a bunch of drones yep. they're they're having an easy time playing games on low terrain yeah. maps but when you switch it the um, armies that use a lot of corn berserkers we'll those, those armies just destroy those yeah. with with a lot of terrain so it just it kind of varies I think I think uh, if you watch our battle reports I think Reese uh, does a really good job of 
picking the terrain because Reese basically handpicks all the terrain. Like he he he's he's got this OCD, mm. you know, this OCD thing in his head, map in his head of how the terrain should look, um, and that's fine. That works great. Um, but look at some of the frontline gaming battle reports, and I think those are some really well balanced maps for terrain. You, you so. need to, I would say at a minimum you need four big line of sight blocking pieces of terrain if you want to have a fun game. That's not a shooting gallery because. We, like you said, the Tau Commander spam, we immediately, immediately, we were like, oh, this is going to be a thing. Yep. Um, and it's because, like, the way that they wanted the game to be played is that basically you can make any army that you want, but within a theme. So um, it's basically unbound without Come to Apocalypse Allies is the way the game plays now. And that's why these spam armies are going to jump right out the gates right away. Oh, I'm going to take 15 HQs with the Supreme Command Detachment, and it's going to be the X-Men. And they're gonna run, and yeah, like you said, if you have all shooting HQs and there's no line of sight blocking terrain and covers, kind of, it's not you don't get covered that often. No, they're gonna shoot you off. Duh, they're gonna shoot you off the table. Like, yes, without a moment's hesitation, that's going to happen, and that's why you must, 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 must break the. You can't have uh, open lines of fire across the whole table unless you want your meta to be uh, who can figure out the most shooting with the least amount of uh, drops, and then they go first. And then five out of six games, they shoot the other person off the table. Okay. That's not fun. No, not at all. Uh, and then speaking of meta and tournaments and terrain, how much easier will tournaments be to run now in, the new edition? God, so much easier. Like, if you guys have been watching our live streams, Frankie and I are playing not at a fast pace. We're explaining everything that we're doing, and our games are two hours. Like, I'm not kidding. When you get good at the game and you're a competent tournament player, you're going to be playing 90-minute games. Oh, yeah, easy. Easily. And if you're playing nights, you're going to be playing 45-minute games. It goes so quick. So running a tournament, you can have shorter days. You can have less rules questions uh, because they, they, there's, there's one-tenth of the verbiage for rules. In it. Not, there's one one-hundredth, maybe, one-twentieth of the amount of rules in the game now. So it's, it's so much simpler. And then usually it's very clear what something does. Like they, They've done a really good job. So running events, playing events, it's going to be more about, in my opinion, it's going to be more about tactics than coming up with some invincible combination of, of rules. And I think it's going to make it more fun for people. It's going to make it more approachable. More people will be able to play. Um, I think tournament attendance is going to go way up. Uh, and then we just have to keep our eye on identifying some of the crazy spam armies that people are going to be playing that probably won't be very fun, like Seven Storm Ravens. Yes. Because you can do that. Yeah, that's true. And it'll be very good but it's going to be dumb and it's not going to be very fun. So we need to come up with ways as a community to keep our eye on that and um, allow people freedom in list building, but not, you know, make the game dumb, dull. Yeah, and, and GW, they limited it to three detachments. So I, I think even GW realized that, yeah. that unlimited detachments might be too much. Yeah. Um, though, though, of course, three detachments still leaves it open for plenty of abuse. You can still do whatever you want, really. Yeah. I mean, like, it just, like, a lot of things are becoming clear. Like, Come the Apocalypse Allies was never intended for matched play so it never it was intended for like narrative play yeah like a lot of things that people because the the seventh edition rule book gave us match play narrative play open play but it didn't specifically state the differences between them just combined them all it just kind of threw them in there and said like oh people will be sensible and separate this out uh and now we're seeing like of course gamers game the system and people are like no they meant for it to be this hodgepodge of just craziness and no they didn't and uh, I think that 8th edition is going to do a good job of at least we'll have sensible-looking armies like, mm-hmm. that are, take some tip of the hat to the lore but still give you freedom. But within that freedom is where uh, the danger lies, right? Like, yes. 
that's when you get three knights and Magnus and some Poxwalkers or whatever, you know, like, or yeah, like three Shadow Swords, which by, that's a red herring, by the way, it's not as good as you think it is. The Storm Lord is better, trust me. (laughs) Um, Okay, is the, now this is going to be a tough question, and you don't have to answer it, but is the ITC considering changing things on the 17th? No. Okay. No. So, Um, so release date, June 17th nothing's going to change. No, no, we want people to play the game as it lies. Like okay. like we've said, the only the only suggestion that we throw out there for people to try, this does not mean we're going to do it, but we would like people to consider it and try it, is the first turn mechanic in, in 40K, it's directly from Age of Sigmar. In Age of Sigmar, it works better because you have largely melee armies. In 40K, you have largely shooting armies. And the first turn mechanic is he who deploys first goes first. Um, which is huge. It's huge. So, like, what's going to happen is that, like, again, knight army, you take four shooting knights, you will almost always go first. And if you don't have enough terrain, the knights will almost always kill the things that can kill them on the first turn, and the game is over. Yes. It's not fun. And 100% of the playtest group agrees. A ho- like, not a single person. These are hardcore tournament guys. Not one of them um, feels that the first turn mechanic could use a, a, a consideration for an adjustment, but that's, that's it. Okay. Um, and, and again, the, the suggestion that we throw out there, and again, feel free to try it out of the book. I, please do try it out of the book. Try it, try it the way it's written first and get your own opinion. Right. Um, we, the, the suggestion we have been th- batting around is the person that finishes deploying first gets plus one to the roll to go first. So um, what that means is that you don't, you don't uh, List building doesn't so highly incentivize minimum drop, maximum firepower armies. Um, and a lot of armies like assault, like melee armies, just they never go first. And they need to have the ability to go first. Yeah. Like they really struggle the hardest in that system because it's like, when do you see a melee army with like four units? It's, it's extremely rare. Because they have to have characters. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, most melee armors need, they need like three, four characters to ramp up. And then they're already out of the they're already out of the game for going first. Yes. So if you're like a melee army playing raw, you will almost never get first turn in a truly competitive matchup, and you're at a huge disadvantage. So that that's why we bring that up. Um, but other than that, like in, in regards to the, the main rulebook and what we've got right now, we're playing it as it lies. Nice. All right. Final question: What's something you're really looking forward to in tournament play in the new edition? Variety. I am so excited to see uh, the game not devolve down into, you know, the big three, which at any given point in time in the past, that, that varied. But uh, at the end there, it was like, you know, superheroes mashup of just nonsense. With, Taudar. Um, Taudar, yeah, well, it was Riptide Wing and Insert the Blank. Yes, okay. And uh, Eldar. Um, those armies were what you, and Demons. And then that was it, right? Like, that was what you saw. None of which was very fun to play against. Uh, Eldar, actually, I actually enjoy playing against Eldar. I know a lot of people... But it's like Eldar were really powerful, but you could kill them. You could yeah. fight. You could, it was a game. Yeah. Whereas with demons, demons and it, Death Stars, it was just, not there's fun. no interaction. First of all, the demon player is rolling 80 million dice. You don't know what the hell is going on. He's got at least 1,000 points coming onto the table during the course of the game. Uh, just not fun. And then the superhero Death Star was just the dumbest thing in the world. Um, the, I, 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 my, my joy in playing the game was so diminished yeah the one thing i have seen there's a lot of interaction between units in this game no matter how much spam there is how much crazy broken stuff there is there's a lot of interaction the only non-interaction 
um, is characters. Is uh, when you're shooting at characters, they and they're not the closest. That's the only time that you don't see interaction between. Which is which I know is frustrating for a lot of players, but it's really. Well, because, you know, like, for example, if you have nine Tau Commanders and spamming drones, yeah. you can't shoot the demons, Tau Commanders. Demons can do it, too, with the, De- with the, flaming, with the exalted, exalted Flamers. I know. But at least with the Exalted Flamers, their range is really short. Right. Like, yeah. But the Tau, the Tau Commander, like, the, we, we instantly were like, this is going to be a problem. We yeah. knew it immediately. But there's no way to stop it. Right. right. Like, the Tau Commander spam, it's really good. Um, but, again, if you're using line of sight blocking terrain, it's not nearly as bad. Even if they're taking all missile pods, which... That's what you should be doing. Missile pods. Yeah. yeah, you take missile pods, maybe a flamer for overwatch defense, but just go missile pods and drones to defend the uh, tower commanders. It's really good, but if you're using line of sight blocking terrain and you're playing to the mission, um, they're going to struggle to win objective missions because they, they can't take objectives. No. Because, again, it's, it's number of models controls the objective. Straight out of Age of Sigmar. So if you have a unit of 30 boys, it may not be a very fun game, but you just go park their ass on an objective, hopefully in cover, let them shoot you all game. The Tau Commanders are not... Over the course of the game, they might kill a 30-man unit right. if they're taking uh, missile pods. You just sit there and take it, and you're like, okay, dude. Yeah, they, they, can, they can't even kill more than two knights in one turn. No. It's, it's, a, it's, it's one of those things that out the gates, people are like, oh, my God, but then they're going to fight the what is going to emerge very quickly as conscript spam and uh, cultist spam. Oh, very, God. very quickly, that those lists are going to rise up. You guys are immediately going to see how good they are. And then you're like, yep, cool, dude. You ca- I have 150 col- uh, uh, conscripts. And they're fearless, and, and you kill- they're, they are They're essentially fearless. Um, and you killed 10, 15 a turn. I don't care. You're going to run out of time. Right? And, and um, you know, anything that ignores line of sight or, like, you know, any artillery weapons, you're going to plink away at them, and eventually you're going to kill them. So um, a lot of these lists that are going to scare people right away are going to, I think, they're going to go away in time for, for lists that are more flexible. All right. Reese, thank you very much for coming on, buddy. Uh, hopefully, we see you in a lot more tournaments and maybe a few tournament wins, maybe. Oh yeah, I would like that. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's I just like seventh edition. I just I literally was not enjoying myself at the end. I didn't. I didn't like it. The beginning, I really liked seventh, and then as the craziness ramped up, I just my enjoyment of it just really started to, to diminish. Yeah, it just wasn't fun. And eighth edition is a blast. I, I do like 8th edition. 8th edition yeah. is a lot of fun. It's things, fun. Things die, and it's quick, yeah. and it's simple. It's nice. Uh, but not tactically. It's there's still there's there. a shit ton of depth. It's not rules bloated. Yes. It's, it's up to the player to come up with the combos and, and strategies to win on the table, not when they're writing the list. That, that's the difference, and that's, I think, what makes it a better game. Amen. All right, guys. Stay tuned. I'm going to have Frankie on, and then we're going to close out the episode. And we're back, guys. With me, I have the world's greatest 40K player, the GOAT, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Franklin Giampapapapa. Ah, thank you very much, Pablo. I appreciate it. Glad you got all the titles in there. <laughs> I think I might have missed a couple. Maybe. I think Khaleesi. <laughs> Khaleesi. Um, <laughs> the great destroyer of worlds. Ooh, yeah, I think, yep, that's yeah. what they call me on Friday nights, I think. Ooh, okay, so... Frankie, the title of the episode is So You Want to Play Competitive 40K in 8th Edition. Ooh, it's going to be fun. So the first question. Yep. What armies are you going to be playing? Ooh, I'm going to be playing uh, Dark Eldar, uh, also known as Drakari now. Um, I think I might even put together a Harlequin army because they're pretty badass. Oh, they're pretty good. And then uh, Sisters of Battle, also known as Adeptus Cerritus. 
and uh, they're actually really good. Yeah, really I, strong. Yeah, I played I played against your sister's list, uh, and you you misplayed it a little bit, but but you managed to kill almost all my knights. I know I almost killed all three knights. Yeah, and, so and that was that was terrifying because that's <laughs> that's not something that happens very often. No. No, the three knights are uh, pretty resilient, and uh, they have a lot of wounds. They so. do. They have a ton of wounds. Um, so, any other armies? I think that's it. Uh, I have a Tau army, so I'll probably be putting Tau on the table as well. How but, many Tau uh, commanders do you have? Ooh, I only have, I think, three Tau commanders, but so I have a lot of five more? crisis battle suits. Ooh, crisis suits. Yes. All right. The suits are pretty good. So why did you go with Sisters and Dark Eldar? Um, well, I've always liked Sisters of Battle, uh, and uh, with the new rules, they're really strong. The air emulators are really good. Um, Celestine's a beast. Um, like we were talking about on the stream before, uh, unfortunately, she's kind of like an auto-take, but it's all right, because she just got a new model, and she's really, really good. So. Well, she was an auto-take after yeah, the Triumvirate. Auto- yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's been an auto-take for, for a few months now. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point, good point. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've always really liked the sisters. Um, they do have old models, unfortunately. Um, but the the sisters' army overall is just really cool, and it's always impressive when you actually see an entire sisters of battle army on the table. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Very few people actually have it. So yeah, um, that's the main reason why I'm going with them. Um, and then the reason that I'm going with Dark Eldar is they got way better. Their vehicles fly now. Uh, they're quite resilient. Their dark lances are amazing. Um, the guys are cheap, so you get a lot of them. Um, and Incubi hit like a truck, which Incubi haven't hit like that since like 3.5. What's they, so they hit as well as their fine cast resin allowed them to? Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Poor so, fine cast models. Um, I actually haven't seen an Incubus ever. I think, and I run the second hand shop. Yeah, I know they. Uh, yeah, they just. I don't know. They haven't been great for a long time. So <laughs> I'm uh, really excited for Dark Eldar. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, I have a really well-painted uh, Dark Eldar army. I didn't paint it myself, but uh, I really love playing them. They're so fun. So Nice. Uh, what are some common medalists do you think people should expect to see? Uh, medalists? Uh, I think you'll be seeing a lot of knights. Uh, be ready for that. A lot of vehicles, so make sure you're bringing your melted guns out. Um, the good thing is the melted guns will work against the knights as well because they are a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be seeing some hordes, so you'll need some uh, like frag missiles or heavy bolters, uh, something that can deal a lot of wounds. Um, and then I think you'll be seeing a little bit of smite spam. So I think you'll be seeing quite a few HQs that are casting smite and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about it. You'll be seeing a lot of Giamon lists. Oh, yeah. Giamon's really good. You're going you're gonna to see a lot of Giamon. Yeah. He's, he's really strong. Definitely. So make sure you bring some units that can take him down in close combat and can get to him quickly. Yeah, or um, just tie him up. Um, yeah, Gilliman, If if you when you get in close, he starts deleting a unit a turn, yep. easy. Um, and then he's really resilient. So he usually, with his buffs and his close combat prowess, he usually makes up his points very quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you, you will see a lot of Gilliman. I think he's going to be have some. I think we have to have an episode just for beating him in Space Marines. <laughs> yeah, um, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. But yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of flamers and a lot of vehicles. So uh, be ready for that. Okay. How much easier will tournaments be to run for those TOs? Terminator, or tournaments. tournaments. <laughs> Terminators are going to be great now. Uh, <laughs> uh, tournaments themselves are going to be awesome. Uh, with how short you can have rounds now, you can have almost, you could probably have four games in a day, which means uh, you could play a lot more games. It's excellent. Um, I mean, the what we're seeing mostly now is maybe two hours at max. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, the games will be ending before that. So you'll have some downtime and stuff like that. Um, and then the rules are a lot simpler. 
um, at least the core rules. So uh, it makes it a lot easier to answer rules questions. Uh, GW is actually on point. They're uh, really uh, listening to the community and stuff. And I'm sure we'll see some FAQs and stuff like that really fast. So I think uh, running tournaments overall is going to be a lot easier. Nice. So I already asked Reese this question and he did a good job answering it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I need to ask you it. So I'm going to ask you another question instead. Uh, Time for a way too early predictions. If the LVO was on the 18th, day after release, what would be in the top eight? Uh, I think a three night list would be in top eight. I think Harlequins would be in the top eight. Um, That'd be a Harlequin list with a lot of uh, vehicles and Star Weavers, one solitaire. Yeah, one solitaire. At least. Yep. And then um, I think you'd see a Guillemin list up there, at least. At least one. Um, Dark Eldar would probably sneak in there. You're Um, not going to be in the LPL, though. I know, I know. Uh, And then uh, you'd see some Tau lists up there. Um, But yeah, I think think the overall winner would be. A night list. I think a night list. Would, really? I think it would. I think it would throw people off, and I think it would take the gold because it was on the 18th. Okay, because because I've got I've got a different prediction. Because um, Reese and I were talking about night lists, and last night James and I were joking about how the night list is going to become the new Eldar, yeah, right? Like it's yeah. it's very very easy to run, very forgiving, um, and it's very good. Yep. But I don't think it's going to be. I think people are going to be bringing lists to beat night lists. Yeah. So I, think they'll be I don't know if, quick. I mean, I think you'll see, I think you'll definitely see night lists on the top tables, mm-hmm. but I just think the best players, like, you know, Sean Naden isn't running a night, like, you know, he's no. not going to run a night he'll list. Be running some weird Nid list. Yeah. Probably. Some weird Tyranid list. <laughs> yeah. So you don't think Tyranids are going to make the top eight? No, I think Tyranids would be up there. I think really and truly you'd see a diverse top eight. I think you'd be yes. seeing a lot of different codexes. I don't think one would be dominating more than the others. Yeah. Um, I think the only one that you might see duplicates of would be like space Marines. Right. I um, agree. But uh, other than that, I think you'd be seeing a mix of like almost all of them. You'd be seeing all sorts of lists up there that you'd never seen before. Like, That's uh, true. I mean, when was the last time? I mean, Dark Eldar rarely make it to the top eight. No. So that would be great. Um, Sisters could easily make it. Um, they're, it's great. I think having a diverse field is awesome. So. Right. And then one one important note about the night list. Um, I have heard a couple of people talk to me about night spam and, and night lists dominating the meta and i think yeah. they will just because of how easy they are how, how easy they are they buy to run to paint to use exactly. um but they're not at, they're not going to be as powerful as the eldar lists were back in seventh edition no yeah i totally agree i think the only reason that you'll see a lot of knights is like you were saying they're they're pretty cheap they're right. affordable to get you only have to paint like three models yes you put them on the table they look awesome um and they're they're pretty easy to play so i mean they, they move around they shoot they charge uh the, the, they're, they're a great army and they look awesome on the table so right. I'm, I'm not at all like upset that they would be really good um but like i like you said i think it'll be a lot of people will be appealing to that because of how cheap they are so nice final question what's something you're really looking forward to in tournaments in eighth edition Ooh, looking forward to i'm looking forward to uh pulling some of those movement tricks on people Roping in some uh, vehicles that you actually didn't charge, roping in some units that you didn't charge. Um, and then uh, what I'm really looking forward to are people having fun and new people coming into the hobby and going to tournaments yeah, and, and having a blast. And that, that's actually an important note is um, I run the secondhand shop for Frontline Gaming mm-hmm. and I, I've, I've had a little bit of a, a, con- not a conundrum, but a little bit of a phenomenon. I've gotten more Warmer Hordes and War Machine quotes than yeah. 40K quotes. 
Really? Yeah, it's actually really crazy. Like I, I've, I don't play Warm Hordes, so I'm having to look up like all sorts of models I don't even <laughs> know existed. I basically yeah. have to learn a new game. Um, but it's it's really cool because I think I finally pinned down what it is. It's I looked back at the email and the dates that people started sending them in coincide with um, when basically when Eighth Edition was like officially yeah. announced. Like we're going to switch editions. Um, so that's that's just a little small example of of to prove your point is that I think a lot of new people are going to come back. And um, Reese has talked about a lot of old buddies of his mm-hmm. are going to come back and play Eighth Edition. Yep. Um, so we're we're set for resurgence. Yeah, and I think that's great. I mean, uh, there were a lot of people that left um, during 6th and then some more left during 7th and stuff like that. And I think a lot of those people, um, especially a lot of our old friends, are coming back and really excited because, you know, they don't have to read an entire textbook to jump back in. They can read 12 pages and get back into it. It's, uh, I think it's going to be great. Um, and then it's so much easier to teach new people. So I think that's really the key is you're going to be getting a lot of new people into it. Um, which is amazing, right? You can just you can just show them the power level and a couple data sheets, exactly, and then the models, yeah. and that's it. You don't yeah. need to go anywhere else. No, it's going to be great. I think uh, I think this is going to be a golden age for 40k. Nice. So. Well, Frankie, thank you very much for coming on. I'm really excited to yeah. see you and Reese dominating the top tables again. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully, I don't know. I, I keep getting dominated by Reese, so we'll, maybe we'll I'll see. Be more towards the middle. <laughs> if you want to see uh, the goat, give a poor old man. A few a last victories. Hope, yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead and go on to FrontlineGaming.org and take out some of our battle reports. Yep. Uh, we've got up there Chaos versus Orcs, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Eldar versus Orcs, yep. and we have Tyranids versus Ultramarines, which is going to happen tonight. It's gonna be tonight, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm ready to lose that Good game. Good luck, buddy. Uh, and then the Necrons versus Necrons uh, versus Astromilitarum. Yep. So and there's going to be a lot more, obviously, oh, after yeah. this episode. Um, so stay tuned to FrontlineGaming.org. They plan on live streaming every single day yeah. up until the new release, Ooh. except on weekends. Except on weekends, of course, because they have lives. Yeah, but uh, thanks, Pablo. All right, man. We're going to close out the episode right after this.